0: How's everybody doing today? Praise God. So good to see all of you. I'm kind of messing around with my mic here this morning, but I think it's okay. Hallelujah. I'm going to open up with prayer and we're going to continue and finish up our series on emotions today. How many have enjoyed this series? I hope that you have. And honestly, I just highly recommend if you've missed any of them to jump online and just take time during the week to listen to them, even if you're just getting ready, but if you can sit down and take notes. My first week was on where is God when you hurt? How many would like to answer to that if you missed it? Um, finding relief from anxiety and angry like Jesus. And that was really good. And then we're gonna finish up today, but I just believe God is doing so many awesome things, isn't he? It's so great to rest our peace in knowing that God takes care of His church. God takes care of His people. You know, I just sit back amazed every week and I just say, God, you really do build the church. You know, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And boy, I know we've gone through some shaking, but you know, when we're shaking, we're stronger. And you know, the Bible talks about that we're to extend our tent post to the right and to the left. And then he says, I'll fill it with all good things. Sometimes we want God to give us everything and then expand our territory. And it's just the opposite. God stretches us so that he can fill it. And I believe that's the season that we've been in in the church and we've been in um, individually, amen, that there's been stretching and there's been new wineskins and there's just been this time where we just weren't sure what God is doing. But I believe we are stepping into this incredible season of the Holy Spirit unveiling the Holy Spirit showing and the Holy Spirit moving in such a special way. Amen. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you today for this moment right here, right now, God, that God, you are right here in this moment. Your anointing is here. Your presence is here. And we thank you, God, that your word says that it accomplishes that to which it was sent. And I just decree and declare today over everyone here and those watching online that, Lord, this word will activate in their heart. It will motivate them. It will encourage them, God. And it will do exactly what you designed it to do. And, Father, we're always careful to give you the praise and the glory and thank you in advance for what you're already doing in the Spirit and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord one more praise this morning. Thank you so much, Alex. How many of you enjoyed worship this morning? Wow. That last song makes me want to go old school Pentecostal, like take off running. I'll be flicking my shoes off and taking a handkerchief and just go running. But I can pose myself today. But who knows? One of these days you might see that. But but I'm going to finish up week four today on emotions, and I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, My title is called Experiencing Joy Again. Because I believe God wants us to have joy back, amen? And I think sometimes we just live this life so robotic that we don't realize that we've been stripped of this true joy of the Holy Spirit. You know, that we may laugh at something and we can enjoy a moment and all of that. But I'm talking about that true joy of the Lord that's bubbling up in our soul, amen? We really need to return back to that joy. So we're going to look at some of the emotions of Jesus like we've done over the last few weeks of we've known that Jesus very rarely got angry, but he got angry, amen. And we're gonna learn today that Jesus actually wept over some things. But everything that Jesus does, he'll bring it from a brokenness and he brings it to joy. You see that all through scripture. So he brought the hurting and the sick and what did he do? He healed them. I mean, no, that makes you have some joy. If they were rejected, he showed love. He brought them back to joy, amen. If they were sinners, what did he do? He forgave them. How many know all heaven throws a party when one person gives their life to Jesus? That's what brings the joy of the Lord to God. And so we're going to look at scriptures today and find something that what made Jesus weep? And in Luke chapter 19, we're going to look at this story. And at the beginning of this story, it's the triumphal, triumphant entrance of Jesus. When Jesus rode into town and all were celebrating him. And, and they were singing out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And as you're reading that story, you just got to think in that moment, man, this must just be making Jesus happy. This has got to fulfill his heart that he was born for this moment to make that entrance into the city of Jerusalem. And there must have been a joy in the heart of Jesus, but as you look in scripture, it actually says in Luke chapter 1941, it says, but as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. And that word weep is not just a, like a cry or he was sad. It was a mourn, mourning. It was painful. It was this wailing aloud. Jesus was grieved on the inside of him. Because even though they were alouding him at the moment, they were praising, they were celebrating him. He knew they were not going to receive the message. He knew that they would turn their back on him. He knew that the city of Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. So in that moment, he was not celebrating his entry. He was weeping because Jesus came to save the lost. Amen? Jesus came to heal the broken. Jesus came to bring life back to people. And listen, not just life, but life abundantly, exceedingly abundantly. God did not call us to live an average life, a just okay life, a life to just get by. He wants you to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. He wants you to dream. He wants you to have your heart's desires. Listen, more than you want your heart's desires. But if we're sitting in comfort, well, this is just the way life is. And and life has taken me by surprise, and I don't know how I ended up up here will never receive the message of the life-giving hope that Jesus came for. And when he looks at your life and he sees the brokenness, he sees the things you're going through, he sees the shame that you're hiding behind, that is sorrowful to the heart of Jesus. Because what brings him joy is restoration. Amen? He said, proclaim the good news to the poor. I want the blind to receive their sight again. I have came to set the prisoners free, amen. Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinners, hallelujah. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Jesus came to show the love of his Father. And that's what this is all about this morning, is calling us as his kids back to the love of the Father coming back to that intimate relationship with Jesus because there is nothing in this world that can bring the fullness of joy unless it comes through the intimate relationship with Jesus. We can experience temporal fun and satisfaction, but the joy of the Lord comes through his presence and through a relationship with him, amen? So Jesus is overlooking Jerusalem and what he saw troubled his heart. I believe what Jesus is looking over the world today is troubling his heart. I believe Jesus looking over his church today, the church of Jesus, is troubling his heart because Jesus didn't call us to gather thousands of people if nobody's being saved. He didn't call us to come together to have a good, squeaky-clean church if people aren't being healed and delivered, if people aren't being restored, if they're not being set free and marriages is restored and, and addictions being broken. When Jesus sees the world not coming to him, his heart is grieved. But when people are set free by the power of his spirit, it brings joy back. I know I've done a lot of wonderful things in the world. I've been blessed to do a little traveling, not a lot, but a little bit. I've done some fun things in my life, but there's been no joy inside of me unless I I was experiencing praying over someone, or leading someone to Jesus, or seeing your life changed. Right? There's a joy that comes up in you that is unexplainable, and everything else that you think you want and you need to make you happy, it just wanes away because I'm realizing when I'm doing being about Jesus, when I'm doing the works of Jesus when I'm in love with him there's a joy inside of me that nobody can take it away you can't give it to me so you can't take it away from me amen and my life may not look like where I want it to be it may not have what I think it should look like but I've got Jesus I've got the love of God the forgiveness of God the grace of God I've got Jesus on my side So here's Jesus is looking over Jerusalem, and in Matthew 23, 37, he says this, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. Now, if you look there, you think, oh, that's probably why Jesus cried, because the prophets were killed. It's a good reason probably for Jesus to cry, but that's not why he cried. It goes on in the next verse. It says, How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. I think we have to see in our lives, no matter where we're at today, whether you wandered so far away from God and you kind of got close Whether you're a prodigal son and daughter watching or ended up in this room today, God's desire is to bring you under his wings. He wants to protect you. He wants to love on you. He wants to bring life back into you. And he weaves when he does not have that opportunity to cover you. So what does religion say? What does the world say? Well, I can't get close to Jesus because I failed. I got too far away. I've made too many mistakes, so the one place that we need to come in and abide in, find our hope again, find our joy again, is in the presence of the Lord, but the enemy keeps us away to make us feel like he's not going to accept us. He never can forgive me. He never can take that shame away, so we never really come into the abiding with Jesus. So what makes Jesus sad? When he wants to love you when he wants to protect you, when he wants to heal you and comfort you, and we won't let him. We won't let him. We have to come out of the reasons why we will not draw close to the Father. And I'm going to share about in, in a few minutes, but it's not about the checklist. I read my Bible, check. I went to church, check. I served, check. No, that, that's rules. I'm talking about in this season a relationship with Jesus. We can check off all the boxes and still be miserable. How I many has been saved over a year? You know that's true. You kind of got like the honeymoon phase. Like that first year, is like all is good. Jesus rocks. This is so amazing. He's answering every prayer. And then the honeymoon phase just kind of wanes and you start climbing that mountain, you know, and then you feel it, realize there's a valley. But I'm talking about in this season of where we've come through disappointment. Where we've come through, how did we get in this season of our life? That there's no place you need to be, but near the presence of God. It's time to get back to the presence of God. It's time to get back to that relationship with the Father, right? He wants you to know how much he loves you, but we won't let him. And we've got to figure out how can we do that. So I'm going to give you three things this morning to excite you and encourage you and hopefully give you some steps to receive the joy back that God has for you. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 15, verse 11 this morning. And many of us know this story, but I believe Jesus was such a great storyteller, wasn't he? He would share a parable, and it just... Like sometimes I forget like the story was a parable. It almost seems like it's real. And so in this story of Luke chapter 15, it's a credible story of the father's love. This is what I want you to see this morning. And we're going to look at two sons because there's two sons and each of them responded differently, but each one is equally as important to have a heart check. Everybody say heart check. Because we've got to check our hearts. Are we going through the motions and just going through, just getting back in the routine with God? Or is there a part of us that needs to draw near back to the father? So let me just summarize this a little bit. As we had the two sons and and, uh, the oldest son decided, hey, I'm done living by the rules. I'm done. I want what's owed to me. I'm entitled to what I have. I don't want to abide in my father's house anymore. I don't want the rules anymore. And he says, dad, I want you to give all the inheritance that belongs to me, and I want you to give it to me. Now, what was so insulting about this, this uh, in the culture of that time, is when the son was asking, I want you to give me what belongs to me, but I don't want relationship with you. And it's so easy to get in that frame mind that I want this miracle, God. I want this breakthrough. Now, is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. You you know, we're in a faith church. We know that God will give you all your dreams and desires. But are we looking for what belongs to me, but I'm missing the relationship part with the Father? And when he asked for that inheritance, right, in this particular culture, it was rude and it was disrespectful and it was dishonoring to the Father. And really, the ultimate insult was, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because if you were dead, then that would belong to me. So instead of you dying, I'm going to take what's mine right now, right? I'm going to enter into this arrogant mentality, this rebellious mindset, right? This entitlement of what belongs to me. Now, I'm not saying this Part is you in this church, but there are prodigal sons and daughters that have lost their way. And that's why I love that part of the song because I see the sons and daughters coming back to the Father. And it doesn't matter how far they went away, it doesn't matter how rebellious they were, it doesn't matter how they spent, and maybe you're sitting here this morning or watching, and you were that person. God doesn't care. He says, I love you. And the son, and so we let the the father let the son go. That's what's so wonderful about the grace and the love of God. He will let you go with your free will, but he'll always keep a watchful eye on you. He can't stop you from making choices. He can't stop you from the way you think and how you feel, but he will always be a God that will stand watch over you. So that moment that your heart turns to him, he's like, there's my kid there's my son, there's my daughter, and they're coming back home to me. We've got to get out of this mentality that God has abandoned us. He lives to cover us. He lives to love and forgive you. Religion puts God in this little bitty box, but God is a God of love and grace and mercy no matter how far we come or go. I think the church of Jesus better get ready for some people that's going to come back to God and receive them with open arms, loving arms, grace and mercy extended, giving forgiveness and be willing to walk through their journey of being healed because that's the example that Jesus showed. Amen. So the son goes off and what does he do? He does whatever he wants. He's not mindful of the father right? What is he trying to do? He's trying to fulfill some unmet needs and desires. And what happens with us when we get frustrated with God and where we're at? I need to fulfill some unmet de- needs and desires. There's unmet things inside of you. So we go to the flesh, we go to the workings of our hands instead of going to the Father and allowing him to comfort us allowing him to give us what we need in this morning. But this uh, in that moment. But what happened? We know that that moment did not last very long for the prodigal son did it. In verse 15 or chapter 15 verse 14, it says this, he spent all he had. I think there's a time in our life and our walk with Jesus, whether you're prodigal son and daughter or just kind of away from this intimate relationship with God, you have to come to the end of yourself. And that's exactly what happened to this young man. He worked everything he thought that was going to bring him happiness and joy, and he tired himself out. And that word spent means this, he consumed. And when we're in a season of frustration with God, and we're wondering where he's at and what's going on in my life, we become a consumer instead of a contributor. Church has got to meet my need. Church has got to make me happy. Church, that song better make me feel the anointing. It better make me have goosebumps. Now I'm going to consume, 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 but I'm not going to contribute because my heart is away from the Father, and I have unmet needs that I want met. We are all on this boat, aren't we? I'm preaching this with passion because I've been in that position. I've exhausted myself. That word spent means he wasted and he squandered. Anything you do outside of a relationship with Jesus, you will just waste it. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your money. You're wasting your emotions because you will be spent at the end of yourself, and you will, we will wake up right where this young man found himself. He spent all he had, and what happened? He began to want. He still had needs. He still was hungry. He still had that unmet expectation, whatever was going on in his life. And that word want means, listen, it means to fall behind. It means to feel inferior or lack or low self-esteem. Whenever we step away from the Father, we're okay for a minute. But then we wake up unworthy. We wake up feeling, Is God, Am I really worthy of all that God has for me? Can God really take away the shame and my wrong decisions and, and my anger and the people I've hurt? And that keeps us away from the presence of God. So this man found himself, right, at a job. He ran out of money and he was feeding sheep or feeding pigs, I'm sorry. So he ran out of money, he ran out of friends, he ran out of hope. And what happened? The guy hits rock bottom. Now, you may not be there in this position, but he had to have asked himself, how in the world did I get here? So I'm going to ask you in your life, you may be saying, how did I get here, God? How did I get at this place of disappointment? How did I get at this place that I show up, but my heart is so far away from you? How did I get here that I stopped believing you and trusting you and I'm hungering for your spirit and I'm hungering for your word? This is not condemnation. Hopefully this is provoking you, amen? Remember, it's not a checklist. It's a relationship that God is longing for. So we found ourselves here, right? Maybe we're not as close to God as we once were. I can say that. over After 2020, it was a hard journey, I felt like everything was resistant. I felt like God was a million miles away. God stopped talking to me in 2020. (gasps) That's the bar of God always talks. (laughs) Well, I wasn't hearing very good, I'll tell you that. Because the only thing I heard him say was slow down. That's the only two words he said to me. And in those seasons when we're frustrated, it's hard to hear the things of God, right? It's hard to feel close to God. And so in 2020, there was a shaking in our life. We had plans, we had goals, we had dreams, everything was normal. And now it's like, how are we here? How am I frustrated? Where's my love and my passion? God, I'm doing it, but I'm just not excited and on fire like I used to be. What happened? Little by little, we take for granted the presence of God. Little by little, we take for granted our worship and the value of the word of God. And then we wake up wanting. We wake up unhappy, right? During COVID, we couldn't go to church. We just couldn't do it. I hated it. I think we only lasted six weeks, maybe. We're going back to church. You know, I don't know if we make all right decisions, but the heart is always right, amen. And so then we're all online. Yeah, we're online, all of us. Hallelujah, we're talking, chatting. And then we come back together. It's like, yeah, I watched this week. Oh, well, next week I'll catch it later in the day. It's not condemnation. I'm talking about how little the enemy starts coming in. Little he starts coming. Oh, I'll catch that midweek service later. Oh, I won't go to that event. I'm so busy, and all of a sudden. I'm going to serve. Yeah, I'm not going to get back to serving in the church. When before COVID, we had servers everywhere lining up. Volunteer list was overflowing. Church was packed out. But little by little, we got lulled to sleep, right? I'm only asking you to check your heart pre-COVID. Where were we that we need to come back to? Finding that relationship with Jesus, amen? Amen. Even, um, even God asked Adam when, after they had sinned, he said, where are you? It's so good for us to find out where am I. Let's just get real. Where am I? Am I really where I need to be? It's nobody else's business, but I need to check my heart. Am I being drawn to the Father because life has not gone as I planned, and now I'm frustrated? Have we drifted to where our relationship with God is suffering? And you are the only one who can answer that question, amen? So let's go back to the pigs in the parlor over there. He said in Luke chapter 15, he, he felt the lost. He's lost everything. And it says this. He said, I would have gladly, after he was working with the swine, he would have gladly filled his stomach with, pods, with the pods, swine ate. He would have gladly filled his stomach. He was looking at what the pigs could eat. He had hit rock bottom. And he was hungry and he was willing. And this is how the enemy is. When we hit life's rock bottoms, the worst things start getting tempting. Well, I would never fall away from Jesus. I would never have an affair on my spouse. I would never commit adultery. I would never. I would would never. But how quickly that relationship with God, when it wanes away, and you find yourself away from that intimate conviction of the Holy Spirit, we wake up and I'll say, well, I'll just take the bottom of the world then. That's the best I deserve. I'll just take it and eat it and consume it because I don't deserve anything else. But what he doesn't know is the Father is at home on the front porch. Yeah. <laughs> And he's willing to eat the yuck of the earth, the bottom that is so beneath him. He's willing to settle for something so less than what the Father has for him because he doesn't believe the Father loves him anymore. So he can't, the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, what happened? When he came to his senses. That means he woke up one day and says, I remember who my Father is. And I remember that mansion that he lives in. And I remember how he feeds the servants. And I tell you what, I'd rather eat like a servant than eat like a pig. We got to get to a place that says, my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. My God will meet all my desires according to his will, will." amen. God will supply everything that you need, but you got to come to your senses. You are a son and a daughter of God. You are victorious in Christ Jesus. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Those aren't just scriptures to make you feel good. That's who you are. And we can sit in the pig pen and wallow about what God isn't doing or get out of that pig pen and say, I know who I am and whose I am, and I'm getting back what belongs to me. And even if it's just at a servant's level, I'm getting out of the pig parlor. Amen? Amen. So I can imagine, he came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have, found, have food to spare and here I am starving to death. He realized that life was better with his father. Imagine how he felt on that journey home though. I mean, let's just be real, right? How do I know if I can repair this relationship? What if my father isn't there for me when I show up or he rejects me? He felt like there was maybe no way back. Remember, he told his dad, basically, I wish you were dead. Sometimes it's hard to come back from things that we've gone through or done. It's hard to find our way. So imagine all the way home, he's planning his apology. Does anybody ever do that, like when you've got to have a conversation with someone? Like, I talk to myself so much. Matter of fact, the other day, Titus asked me, oh, Pastor Barb, was that for me? Or I said, no, actually, I'm just talking to myself. I'll let you know if you don't answer soon enough that it was for you. But imagine all the way, like I'm a, I'm a sinner, I'm a loser, right? I lost it all, and all these things that he's working up that I can say to the Father: Let me at least be a servant. Let me come in the back door. Don't even worry about acknowledging me. I know I can't be a son, but I at least want to get my foot back in the door. The insignificance that he must have felt. But what happened in Luke, Luke 15:20? He had to take a first step, and it says, "So he got up." and went to his father. Everybody say, get up. up. It's time to get get up. It's time to stand up and take one step towards Jesus. My first point this morning is take one step towards the Father. Just take one step. I'm not worthy, I don't deserve it. God, I love you, please forgive me. I'm walking by faith, I know God, and you just walk towards Jesus one day at a time, right? Take the step. Towards God, Get out of, of uh, confusion, get out of shame, get out of anger, get out of frustration, get out of brokenness, whatever it is, just get out of that chair and say, I'm done, of, I'm done sitting with the pigs." Get up. I had to do that. I'm preaching something I did in 2020. I had to get up and say, "God builds the church. God takes care of His saints. God does not leave the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. I'm getting up, God, and I don't know when it's going to change. I don't know when this story is going to be different. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm walking towards you, Jesus, because you are the only one that can fulfill what I need in my soul right now. Not the best marriage, not a lot of money in the bank account, not fancy houses, fancy cars, Jesus is the one that can bring joy back to us. Everything else is a benefit. The Bible says the blessings chase you down. I don't have to chase blessings. I just got to run towards Jesus. I got to walk by faith back to the Father's house. Amen. ask you today, is there something that is... You're ashamed of something that you can't say that you don't need to say to anybody, someone you hurt or lied to, or something that has made you feel dirty and unworthy. Just get up. Every one of us in this room got up. And and I've been serving Jesus for 34 years. No, how many years? How old am I? 33 years now. Don't rush that thing. And I'm still getting up. There's seasons I feel like I'm riding on the way, woo! Right, we're surfing, we're having a good time, and then there's some seasons you just got to get up and choose to walk by faith and not by sight, amen. So you got to get up towards the journey of healing and hope and restoration and joy once again. It starts with one step, one decision, amen. And what what the son didn't know was that the father was there waiting for him every day. The father father's heart was breaking for the son's return. How do I know that? Because when the son did come back, the father was on the front porch. That means he was on the front porch every day waiting for the return of his son. God is just waiting for us, isn't he? Come home. Come sit on the porch with Jesus. Let him love you. Let him minister to you. Let him encourage you. Let's go back to our love with Jesus. And so what happened? Uh, verse, uh, fi- chapter 15, verse 20. But while he, the son, was still a long way off. Now look at The son made the decision way over here. And that's when the father starts to look. All it takes is a decision. Yes, it's going to be a journey to get back. Yes, you're going to have to walk by faith. But as soon as you make that decision, God's heart is looking for you. A long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, not anger, not judgment. How dare you shame my name? How dare you shame my house? How dare you come back here? No, he was flooded with compassion. Remember compassion last week? I'll share it for those who who weren't here, but it's like driving home from church, and there's a car accident, and you see ambulances and police everywhere, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's just horrible, right? And then you get a little closer, and you kind of see people on the ground, and you recognize the car just a little bit, and you're like, ooh, I'm not feeling good about this. And then you get right up on it, and you realize it's someone that you know and love. What happens? Oh, There's this heartfelt, that's the compassion of God. It isn't this, oh, I'm, no, it's deep. It's mourning. It's grieving for his kids to come back home. He was filled with compassion for him. And what did he do? He ran to the son. He didn't say, I'm here for you. No, he waited every day for the son's return. He raided every day to show his love and his compassion back to his son. And in that day, it was not etiquette. It was considered indignified for a man to lift up his skirt and run because it would show all of his undergarth. But this father didn't care. He hiked up that skirt, and that word ran means like he was running a race. He was fervent to get to his son. There is no shame when Jesus comes for you. The shame went on the cross. He already bore the shame, and now he's running after you to greet you and hug you and love you and tell you everything's going to be all right. And what I loved about this moment when the father grabbed him and grabbed him, I guess he said it fell on his neck. I mean, he must have toppled over. Can you imagine? And just twirling and rolling. Like, what a cool scene that must have been. And there was no time for this, this prodigal son to feel shame. As soon as the father came, there was no time to say, Father, I'm so shameful, Father. No, Jesus loved him, hugged him, kissed him, said, You are mine. When you meet Jesus, the shame goes away. The disappointment wanes away because when you meet Jesus, none of that is in your life. So the father didn't have a chance to say, Well, let's talk about this, son. Let's see about how far you went and what we can correct and what we can make. No, he said, Listen, let's throw a party my best robe. Get my signet ring and put it upon him. Give him new sandals upon him. Let me cover him. Woo! When the father sees you, he wants to cover you with his blanket of forgiveness and his love and his grace and his mercy. And he said, said, let's kill the fatted calf. What did that mean? The fatted calf was a cow, I guess, that they would purposely feed to make it very big, and it was only used for celebration moments. So there was always a fatted calf around that they would only use for these big moments. And I can't imagine, we're going to get into other brother here in just one moment, but you can imagine all the workers and those that are kind of close to the father, like, I bet that calf's going to be for me one day. I mean, come on, we all think that. I would love that calf party for me. Let's slay that calf. And they're going to celebrate me and put the signet ring on. And yet the father takes the best. He says, I've been saving this for the right moment to celebrate something big. And I want the whole region to know that we are celebrating something big. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. What did Jesus say? He says, come just as you are. Come. Will he fix you? Yes. Do we stay where we came in? No, but come just as you are. Amen? He said, let's have a celebration. I'm no longer sad. My son is not dead. He's alive and he's home. Say home. Time to come home. Amen. time to come home, back to the father, back to relationship. That's the picture of what it looks like when one person comes back to Jesus. One person. There's a party. There's a celebration that goes on. And in Luke chapter 15, the, the son finally did say, he said, I've sinned and I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve, but I'm coming back to you. And in Luke 15, 10, it says, there, there is joy in the presence of angels when one sinner repents. Yeah. One sinner. All of heaven throws a party for one saint. It must just be a constant party in heaven. I mean, literally, they must be, oh, there's someone, whoo, get your tambourines out. I don't know what they do. It's a party. They might be on rotation, you know, like the party rotation. I don't know. But all of heaven is rejoicing. How do we experience joy with Jesus? Take one step towards the Father. Number two, very quickly, enjoy a relationship with him and not just following the rules. Enjoy the relationship. Let's look quickly at the other son, right? So we have the Other brother, that he was out in the field, he was working hard, he stayed at home, he did the right things, and all of a sudden he shows up and he hears this party going on, and he hears this music, and he hears this celebration. So he asked the servant this in Luke chapter 15 Your brother, asked the servant, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has has him back safe and sound the older brother became angry and refused to go in, right? Because imagine that, that brother took off. That brother shamed the family. How can a reward come to him? I've been here. I stayed in the house. I kind of wanted to take off with my bro, but I stayed home. I wanted my inheritance too, but I paid the price and humbled myself. And now he's home and he gets the fatted cow? I deserve the fatted cow. I'm the one that was here, right? So, the, so what happened? So his father went out and pleaded with him. What did the son that did stay home have to do? Have a heart check. He never left, amen? But if, I, if you look at this story, and I never really looked at it this way until a couple weeks ago when I was studying, that even the brother that stayed home had heart issues, he had heart issues. He, the son stayed home, but his heart was far from the father, right? Because not at one moment does he, did he rejoice because his brother was home and alive. Heart issue. He didn't share the same feelings his father shared. He had some heart issues, right? He did the right thing. He stayed. He worked. But there was things going on in the son's heart. Remember, God wants a relationship. It's love, it's intimacy. The older brother was obedient, but not intimate. So we come to church, and we do, and we're here, and we're faithful, but where's our heart at? Are we close to the Father? Amen? One son was physically distanced, but the second son was emotionally distant from the Father. Amen? And I tell you, if you're breathing air today, we all have gone through emotional distance from the Father because we have not understand this season of the church. It'd be so easy for the second brother, the oldest brother that stayed home, to uh, say, what a bad brother. How dare he do that? How dare he fall away from God? It'd be so easy for us to get judgmental about people who went out and have shamed and talked and all that garbage, but that's not the heart of the Father. Amen? Hallelujah. So maybe we followed the rules. Maybe we've been playing by the games. Maybe we've checked the boxes, but we've lost our intimacy. Proximity doesn't equal intimacy. You can live with someone and never be intimate. Amen. God's not looking for proximity. He'll still love you. That's not the point. The point is, do I have joy? (laughs) Because I'm in the proximity, but I'm still unhappy. I'm still angry. I'm still full of shame. But when we come into his presence, we allow the love of God. Now I'm getting close to God, amen? So number one, number two was enjoy a relationship without just following the rules. The dad loved both his sons, the rebellious and the rule follower. How many of you are rule followers in here? Go ahead. I'm not. I'll keep my hand down. I am rebellious by nature, and it does get me in trouble every so often. Not sinful things, you understand, but I kind of have my own strong will. But there are rule followers, and they don't get it when other people don't live by the rules. And they get angry, and they get frustrated. We still have to show grace and mercy. They may not meet up to your expectations when they come to God. They may not say nice words. They may still say unkind words or naughty words or whatever. They may have life that still needs to be cleaned up. It's okay. We can love them back to Jesus. Amen. Amen. The father loved them both. Okay, Luke 15. My son, the father said. This is to the son that was angry. You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. In other words, son, don't you remember who you are? You have forgotten that everything of mine is yours. You may have not went away, went away, but son, I still love you. I still celebrate you. Verse 32. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead, and is alive again. He was lost but now he has been found. Amen. Don't underestimate your value or worth. Everything the Father has is you. Amen. It's a relationship with Jesus. So what do we do? Take one step towards Jesus. Forget about checking the box. And number 3, bring someone with you to the party. Bring someone with you in this season. I'm telling you, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. There is a party going on. Every Sunday here at Faith Builders, we are celebrating the lost to be found, the the sick to be healed, amen, the broken to be restored. And we need to invite others to come. Share your story with them. Share your testimony, share the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, amen? Because when they give their life to Jesus, all of heaven is rejoicing. Let's invite them to the party. Let's not leave them out, amen? This church is going to be flooded in this season as we go into this new year of people that are lost and prodigal sons and daughters. This church has never been a normal church. God brings in some some people, but then God brings in the broken and the hurting. And you know what? I wouldn't want it any other way because I wake up happy as a pastor when I go home on Sunday and somebody gave their life to Jesus. I wake happy when I hear a testimony that a marriage was restored. I wake up happy when someone blessed a widow or somebody in our church with something. That makes me happy because that is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's invite people back to church. I want to declare this as we close. And Alex, you can go ahead and give me some closing music. Or I'll just keep getting excited. What do we do? Let's tell, them about our, tell people about our God. His love is perfect. Nothing you could ever do to make him love you more. There's nothing you could ever do to make him love you any less. He loves you with a perfect love. So, let me declare this over your life and heart. No matter why you left, no matter where you went, No matter what you've done, no matter what you've become, God is inviting you to come home. He's waiting to forgive you and to love you. That's the heart of God. What makes Jesus cry when you're separated from the Heavenly Father? And what can stop his tears when you come home? When you come home, So let's pray. Father, I know every one of us here watching, we all need to come home in some way, shape, or form. We are not arrogant or prideful, God, to think that not one of us has a place that we can come back to our home with you, God. So, Lord, we just surrender ourselves today. We chuck our own hearts today, God. This is not about anybody else, God. This is between me and you, Father. And just get, just, in your heart, tell the Lord. You don't have to say it out loud, but God knows your heart. You want to get it right. You want to come back home. You you want to receive the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God. Maybe your, your love for God has waned through disappointment and hurt and all those things. God's saying, come back home. You don't have to figure everything out. You don't have to get it all right, but he's saying, come back to me. So I want everybody to repeat this prayer with me, every one of us, because at some point in this prayer, we need a part of it. So I want you just to say out loud, say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins, my frustration, my shame, and my fear, and I'm coming home today, Jesus. I receive your ring, I receive your robe, I receive new sandals, and I receive your covering over my life my family and my children turn my heart towards you in Jesus precious name amen and amen give the Lord a praise this morning gosh I love you all so much I'm always excited for what God's doing you know I said a year ago that before revival can happen in the world revival has to happen in us and we have taken the word over the last year to really get us to this moment that God is awakening us again. Amen. He's awakening his first love in us again. So just get ready because 2022, the Lord gave me the word, is the year of awakening. Yeah. It's an awakening. And that's what we're going to stand for in this church. Amen. Yeah. All right. I love you all so much. Let's